You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jessica Lynn Verde. And I'm Alex Mitchell. I know a lot about Middle Earth. Yeah, and I know that there were some rings or something. We're the hosts of the Podcast of the Rings. Join us as we deep dive into the lore of Middle Earth and cover the topics and people you might want to know about before the Rings of Power premieres on Amazon Prime September 2nd. After that, we'll be doing an episode-by-episode recap and analysis once the series is live. Listen for a new episode every Tuesday. And until then, may our roads meet again. I'm good. I was so excited that I like also pulled out the headphones from my speakers. So you clear. No, no, it's great. You clearly are someone I'm excited to have on the podcast. I am honored. I'm so glad. When I asked you, were you like, why me? You know, I'm I'm just up for whatever, you know, I'm just following whatever you tell me to do. (laughs) That's not a really, I don't think anyone else on the planet would want to live by my uh, suggestions, just to be fair. And I think saying why me uh, is not exactly right. Were you surprised when I asked you? Yes, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't really do a lot of the same stuff as, as you all, I'm not an actor, so... I wasn't expecting it, but I'm happy to be here. Well, I think we do do some of the same stuff. So, um, but we also like have a simple, we're definitely different people, but we have similar, I think values is probably um, the best way to put it because I think we get along really well. I really love learning from you. And from what I can tell that the feeling is mutual. You make it seem like I am just incredibly smart, which I appreciate. You know, that that is good. <laughs> that makes me feel good. You are very smart. You're incredibly smart. And some people say I am too. I have a hard time believing it, but I definitely know what I know. And then I also don't know a lot of things. So more than anything, I just want to, I just want to learn. And I think that you're, you're the same. I think that does betray a, a smart person, probably. You know, I'm going to agree with that. Absolutely. I feel like it's right. And it makes me look good. So that's exact. There we go. Okay. So now, now that we got all that preamble, who are you? you? I don't even think you know what this podcast is about, which is exactly how I like it. Who are you? I have absolutely no idea. Um, but I am, I guess like many things. I'm a student. Um, I do TTRPG stuff all the time. I guess I'm technically a streamer now, which is wild to think about i grew up watching streamers um i do politics sometimes sometimes i'm smart i don't know <laughs> and your I full name is Kyrie. oh that's right you are you're okay there's there's so much to talk about and pretty much the only reason like the only thing i do on this podcast is just talk to people i want to talk to and and see how they feel about things and and see how uh deep i can get them to go <laughs> Oh, I don't know how deep this is, but I'm fully prepared to dig. So that's, let's, let's that's see where exciting. we end up. I'm excited. Uh, so mm-hmm. let me ask you, this is actually also another aspect of this podcast that's sort of important because it used to be important. How old are you? 
25. Okay. Would you consider yourself like a baby millennial or like an older Gen Z or smack dab in the middle of Gen Z? What what kind of generation do you think you're closest to? Oh, boy. I, I feel like it's probably Gen Z since I have grown up with the internet for the most part and social media. But I'm also not super into the, the TikTok dances, so I don't know if that disqualifies me or not. You know, so I'm somewhere in between there. It kind of, I think it does disqualify you a little bit, but I think it also uh, means that I'm just going to be let let go on an iceberg soon because I don't even want to deal with it. I, I tried TikTok for two minutes and I just can't do it. I never I never caught on with Snapchat. Is that something you ever did? I was never into Snapchat because I don't like taking pictures, honestly. So a social media thing built around taking pictures was like pointless for me. Right, right. And well, do you use any social media at all? A bit. Um, I use Twitter a lot now, though I feel like I don't know if that's a good thing anymore. Right, Um, right. right. I do use some TikTok stuff because there's some great D&D and other fantasy creators on there who give you really fun ideas. So you should definitely, if you're into that kind of thing, you should look at it. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, And Facebook sometimes. Right. And that's when it seems like TikTok is at its best when it's sharing ideas that only make your life a little bit easier or more interesting. I think it's dangerous like any other social media when you find yourself down like a rabbit hole or you're scrolling all night when, um, I mean, there is, I don't know, it it is, it can bridge the gap between like like like-minded people that you otherwise wouldn't have met or uh, learned about, but it can't, but just like all social media, it's, it's a pit. It's a dark, it's a deep, dark pit. (laughs) Absolutely. It is designed to be addicting and it's, it's hard to, to avoid it. Yeah. I, and I think like the Twitter trend has definitely gone downward, but it also was like downward right before Trump got elected, which is why Twitter never kicked him off because it was good for business. And at least that's my opinion. And then they kicked him off the second he was about to lose office because they didn't have to keep him anymore. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is a whole thing in, in political science, but... Um, yeah, unfortunately, media is designed to get people to appeal to appeal to as many people as possible for as long as possible, and uh, that's why you get people. You get the kind of effect where people are encouraged to just say things that are just outrageous because that'll make people upset, and then they'll keep talking and they'll keep communicating about it. Right, because uh, it because we're not ever more engaged unless we're upset about something. Anger is very useful for motivating people. <sighs> yeah, it really is. I have to stop myself from engaging with this uh, group of people that are really angry about the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power show that's coming out on Amazon. Um, Me and Solkatu, aka Alex, have started a podcast on that. And all these people are so angry with what they think is like this social justice, political, like slant that's happening on the show. And it's... It, the vitriol is is very upsetting, and I just I just want to like start raging against them. But then I realize that that's not even good business. I mean, it's it's good business if I want people to look at my page or the Twitter that we have for it. But it's overall bad for like my mental health, and doesn't solve the problem either. I don't think. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I'm going to lose a lot of cred because I don't think I've seen any Lords of the Rings movies any, at all. I think I've seen a trailer for one in like 2016 on an airplane. So I don't know anything about that. But I could say I do agree that at this point, social justice is just now code word for anything with a lot of people in it that aren't white people. And I'm just like, like at this point, big social justice which doesn't mean anything anymore. I used to, but I was just like, everybody, everybody is. Even if you're not political at all, you're, you're suddenly this thing. And it's like, words have no meaning anymore. Well, that's, that is, you bring up such a good point because there are certain political sides that win the word battle, right? Like, um, um, saying pro-life versus anti-abortion sounds so much better. And like the abortionist or you know, like the pro, pro-choice pro people don't have the better wording when it comes to that. And it's it's political, but it's also strategic, you know. Absolutely. Uh, there is a whole, uh, the whole branding thing in politics is, very complicated, but uh, yeah, definitely pro-life is is easy to understand because on its face, it's hard to be against that. You know, just right. being against the concept of life is very difficult. You but. can't you can't say I'm not pro-life. That's they really did politically win that that little battle. Actually, I would love to talk to you more about politics, but but before we do, um, I want to talk to you more about it because it's something. That I think I thought I had a, a grasp of, but I was also raised to be way more conservative than I actually am. Um, and I feel like I'm always learning something and I'm always getting something wrong. So I would love to, I would love to understand your perspective, especially since um, it's part of what you're studying in school right now, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, my undergrad was based on politics and government. Now I'm doing more public administration work so kind of applying it but yeah political theory was my was my favorite thing to study so i, I would love to talk about it i love nothing more than someone as sweetly spoken as you being in politics that is just the loveliest idea if all of our politicians or public workers could be <laughs> as as kind and generous as you are i think this would be a decent place to live but i wanted to back up just a second no one loses cred ever for not watching something or having seen something or having listened to something i think that is a unfair concept and i know you're doing it to be um generous or you know like uh, I don't know, the word's not deprecate. You're not deprecating, but it's like, oh, I don't know this. That's okay. That means you have this whole world to learn about ahead of you, which is exciting. Yes, uh, I agree, ultimately. Uh, I mean, I'm going to do what I want anyway, but, <laughs> you know, I do understand that this was a whole thing that kind of started a lot of people's interest in fantasy from what I've understood. That whole Lord of the Rings mythos was pretty big, um, but I grew up after that, and for my youth, I was in a lot of the culture of like sports. So I was into basketball and all that stuff. So I never really learned any of it. So at this point, I'm just kind of like, I don't know any of that, but I'm going to make cool dragons fight stuff over here. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to just do what I want anyway. Yes, please do. However, it's so impactful into the actual creation of Dungeons and Dragons anyway. So like you kind of already know half of it just by being a TTRPG player. Absolutely. You do know that, right? Yes, I okay. am aware that a lot of the, the the history of like elves and things like that comes from, uh, has its roots in that area, which 
is super interesting. I love to hear people talk about it, but I am not the person to ask if you want a detailed explanation on the mountains of there are mountains in Florence of the Ring. That was a that was a it's, thing, right? It is a thing. It's a thing. But it's a whole thing. Um the the topo not topography, the cartography, the layout of the whole world, it's it's beyond. It's beyond like even what you realize could be imaginable. So, like, you have, you, you think about, like, D&D &D or other um, large TTRPGs that have, like, expansive worlds or, you know, like, in the D&D, &D, there's, like, a, like, eight or nine realms or something like that. And they're all, like, some people have areas mapped out and stuff. Tolkien did all that himself and then maybe with a little bit of help from his son after he passed. So, like... The world had three different ages. It had one shape and then another shape. It had a whole continent that's not on there anymore. And then it's also supposed to be what was our world before we were here. It's fascinating. And mountains were part of it, I guess is my point. Sounds dope. I would love it to is dope. Learn more about it. I would love to find an opportunity to show you the first movie and see if that's of interest to you. Are you a reader? Do you like reading? Yes. I I love reading. I have a problem where I will get obsessed with something and then just continue to consume it forever or until it runs out of stuff. But my Audible subscriptions mm -hmm. is rather long at this point in time. I think that's not a problem. I'm, I'm quite the same. Like, uh, I know people are struggling with how to and if at all to care for the Harry Potter series. But before JK added herself as a complete bigot, um, I hadn't read it, but then finally did. And I finished all the books within less than like six months because I was just ready and that's all I wanted to do. Um, I, I've reread my favorite series three times now, uh, which is Dune. I think I've, I was going to try and reread, uh, reread <laughs> the, uh, the Lord of the Rings again, but then I like I think I just lost my interest. So I think I'm I'm a similar consumer to you. So I think if you were to start even with the Hobbit, you might not stop. Oh, we will we will see when hopefully when I have the time to not be super distracted by something because uh, I have like probably five different things I'm supposed to be consuming at the moment. Oh my gosh! I am open to it. I'm always open to it. I would love to watch the movie at least the first movie with you. Sounds fun. That's not, that's. I think that's an easy, s smaller commitment. Um, unless you, we watch the extended version, which I don't know is, is is imperative for your first go around. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. It's so yes. Let's talk about poly sci, but but also yes, you do way too much, <laughs> in, and you're young and you are driven. What is this? So like you tell us how many uh, TTRPGs you're on. And like, what is your current class schedule load? Like, what's everything you're working on right now? Boy, well, let's see. At the moment, I am on what four shows? I have. I'm on over on the cookout. I am on the uh, reclamations. I am also a part of the Marvel show that we're doing. And then I have shows over on rerolls. The, the my my personal. Well, I guess it's not really my personal anymore. It's a it's a company i guess i don't know uh where we're doing two more so that's four uh then in school i have a full-time graduate student um semester which is three full classes which is basically every monday tuesday and thursday i am in class for between three to five hours 
Wow. Um, and we're going over different things. And then I have to write a lot of papers. <laughs> a lot Why? Of papers. Why are you doing this? <laughs> I don't know. So, like, for me, I have all, I've, I enjoy school. All right. A lot of people, I, for me, being in school is the easiest thing. Not because the work is easy, but because the rules are understood. Mm. Right. It's, you know, you show up, you do the, the homework. You'll get a good grade and you'll succeed. Real life does not function like that at all. It can, you can, all kinds of stuff happens. But for, for me, it's like there's that stability, which I can just, you know, make a schedule and just stick to it and go through it. But, um, and then I get, then I meet friends who are just super into different stuff. And then I get into them. And then before I know it, I have like 50 hours a week dedicated to everything. And I'm just like, well, we'll just see how long I keep going with this. And, uh, so far it's been working. I mean, it's, it seems like it. It's it, it, I People will think I'm very busy, too. And, and while they're not wrong, uh, because I love everything I do, um, it, it, I don't know how tired I feel. Although I will say, like, between you and me and the podcast, um, I don't realize how tiring uh, Twitch streaming actually is because I enjoy it so much. But when I'm tired the next day, I'm like, oh, gosh, why am I tired? I, I don't realize why. Um, and, and then start having like this cycle of feeling badly, like I'm not accomplishing enough because I shouldn't be tired, but I actively forget that twitching, like twitching is a job in a sense. Yes. You, it's really easy to, to underestimate how much doing something you like is just as tiring as working because you enjoy it, but it is exhausting. Totally. Totally. Um, but it does seem like... It's also confusing, too, when something like TTRPGs bring a lot of joy. So there is fun. At least there's, like, some sort of, like, a, an exhaust system to enjoy yourself. Because, like, I, I imagine writing a bunch of papers, showing up to school. That's a lot of, like, dedicated, pointed work. And even though playing in a, a tabletop game is is work in its own way it does have it does have its fun its laughs it's socializing do you find that i mean i know this about you and i knew this about you the second i met you you are like a textbook introvert absolutely uh, i i mean yeah i am absolutely introverted you have to kind of get used to speaking uh in in my kind of studies area since we're doing politics a lot but i am very much the the quiet type uh, but um, yeah, overall, I would agree with you. Uh, it is a lot of exhausting, but for uh, games and TTRPGs especially, there's that trust factor where you don't really have to be perfect. You know, you got when you're doing work, whether it's you know job or school or anything. There's a certain level of of stress that's kind of accompanied with needing to make sure you're doing your best or working at doing you know or the best you can because it's your livelihood or your grades or whatever but with tabletop no one's going to be upset with you if you don't do well except maybe the comment section but you don't have to worry about those people i, friends I mean if you, you can anyway. if you cannot worry about them you're you're better off absolutely you know, sometimes you just have to forget there is a comment section it, it, it's amazing and it goes back to exactly what we were talking about before the one angry or the one mean comment will stand out you, a, a, amongst 20 positive comments you know I, I work on that too that so that it doesn't and or don't read them um but it is amazing how that like i could play back one comment i heard from somebody 
five years ago. Or I'll be woken up in the middle of the night going, oh, yeah, remember when that jerk said that? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we have a wonderful or very unpleasant way of, of focusing on things that are negative. So, you know, when you get negative, especially ones where you kind of feel when you already felt like you weren't, you know, good enough or you weren't in a position to do what you thought you could do anyway. When, when people start to, to hit those sore spots, they can feel real. It totally can. And, and it's, it's totally a different situation from actual constructive criticism because someone that's intending to help you or give you some insight into a, a perspective you haven't you may not have considered is going to deliver that with a little bit of um, generosity and kindness and someone that's just yelling, even if they're right. I don't think that makes them right. You know, um, some, something I'm thinking about and just seeing right now is, so you said you're, you're getting your um, graduate, wait, you're a grad student, right? That's what you, that's yeah. what you're called. You call yourself when you're going in for a master's. Yes. Great, because you're doing some more school. How much more school do you have? Um, so I'm in the first year, so either one and a half, one year or half a year left, depending on how things go. Oh, wow. So it actually is, it's not like a whole nother four years. It's just like, hey, we need mm -hmm. you to do another 18 months or so, and then and then you're good to go. Yeah, you're getting a master's degree is usually two years because it is much more focused than... Uh, getting an undergraduate degree usually with undergrads like half your time will be related to your major and then the other half is kind of just getting your general your english class or a math class or whatever getting those general education requirements gotcha and and then don't don't even begin with someone that's trying to get a doctorate or something like that's a whole different can of worms too those ones are those ones take more time those will probably right. take four or five years which no generally one aren't that good for that. work what do you mean? Generally, getting a PhD, unless it's for something very specific, it's when you get to that point where you're, like, too qualified for work so that people don't want to give you jobs and stuff. So it's much less, like, useful. So when, usually the person gets a PhD more because they wanted it or because they had a very specific job where they had to get one. Right. Uh, I think – I don't think my friend Scott Rubin has a PhD, but, but like, he was a – two steps away from that with his Greek language degree. And, and then he went, uh, I'm going to stop. <laughs> I think he was thinking about academia, which would have benefited him if he had continued with getting that degree. But I don't think he wanted to work in academia. So one of the things I'm, I'm realizing, though, and I think this is – I'm sure you've already drawn, drawn the, the comparison. City planning, campaign – uh, planning for D and D, etc. There's there's crossover there. Absolutely, um, being just general being able to plan is honestly a super useful thing. But yeah, so a lot of what I do does appear in some of my my D and D and other campaign stuff. Um, it helps you kind of it helps you really visualize what's happening, um, and especially since for mine in the political uh, science realm, it helps you really better organize how people are behaving and why they're behaving um it's really it's kind of where i make my kind of villains and stuff because i find the, the trope of just someone being evil kind of boring but right. it's much more interesting when they're after something when you have people who are trying to gain something which is generally how real life people will work there are very few people who are just evil for the sake of being evil they're usually 
trying to gain something and they have made a made a path or picked a decision for it and politics helps you understand those people and how they think so some how much and it's less high stakes in tabletop games it is and so you kind of are getting that training in a safer arena or like again you said that with the high high stakes not being as high people your character, your your twenty level cleric might die or whatever, but you're you're gonna go home and you know just have a hangover. Worst case scenario, uh, your, people's lives aren't at stake in in reality. It is much more fun to to explore different things that way, and it lets people kind of explore what it's like to be a, a leader of a nation or a city or whatever. What's the most What's the biggest stretch of a character you've played up to this point where, where like, you... Because so, you play in so many games. Um, and when did you start doing tabletop? Like, was this a, is this a, re- a recent phenomenon for you, or...? It is relatively recent. Like, 2019 was when I started, um, which is its own story. But... Um, to answer your actual question, um, I would say probably, I would say probably Aphid is from Lords of Fairy, when they're probably the most not like me as a person. Uh, but I was just kind of trying to pick someone who was just very flamboyant or and show off. And uh, I think he turned out to be really funny. But yeah, I am someone who's much more kind of stoic and quiet, so I tend to play more of the the smart advisory type characters. But so to be playing sure. this kind of beautiful this beautiful show-offy bard was it was a unique experience were you talking more than you wanted to to say the least yes i would definitely say more and the the way of talking was very different um for people who are kind of more in advisory roles they tend to be shorter and more like brief in their you know discussions mm-hmm. you're trying to give someone advice you want to be short so they can make decisions but he was just kind of talk he just liked talking <laughs> just, you know he was there he was he was very very nice he did he did how he wasn't complicated in terms of you know planning but he made it seem like everything was going to go well for you even when it likely wasn't going to absolutely everything would be fine oh uh, yeah and then gotcha. somehow it'd work out you know Hey, that's my life philosophy. I was just going to say, this person sounds like me a lot, <laughs> which is actually probably why I don't want to play bards at all. <laughs> the idea of having to like, I can do this. I'm trained in improv. I could make up a song on the spot. That's fine. I only want to do it when the camera's on me. But like if I'm if I'm asked to play a bard in my family, like a friend's campaign at their house, kill me now. That sounds like the, the worst night. Yes, it could be difficult to play like to play a character that is just like you. It can be easy in some ways, but it could be difficult to do so. Uh, especially, it can also it has this habit of leading people to realize things about themselves they didn't know or want sure. to know. Sure, which is always a risk. But you know, if you're doing it with friends and stuff, it can be uh, cathartic in some ways too. Uh, but I think every character you've played has been wonderful. Well. So I, I appreciate that you you don't know my past. <laughs> the that being said, like every every character I've had the pleasure of playing, even on one offs um, with friends or on channels, um, they I I think they felt true to what I could offer in the moment. I I 
I I believed everything those characters said up to a certain point. Like, it doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. Um, I misgendered a friend and that sucked. But also that all I had to do was the next, not all I had to do, but the next week I just, before we got started, it was apologize. And my character learned right along with me, um, which I, I would rather be that, which which is honest to what I was capable of in the moment with all of those characters and played them to the height of my knowledge as opposed to the lowest. Well, I don't know. I could be really blue sometimes. But that was also fun too. <laughs> yeah, Have I, I mean, lost it's you? always... <laughs> no, no. I am always here. Right? I, 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 I will follow you wherever we end up going. Let's, let's go. But... <laughs> But yeah, um, making mistakes is going to be normal. No matter how hard you try, you will make, make mistakes. Um, and the first thing that we really have to get over as like a people is not being afraid to make mistakes and always try to attack people for making mistakes. Some people do should be attacked, right? There are some people that need sure. to be attacked. But some people don't need to. And sometimes we just need to understand that one, making a mistake is normal. And as long as it's it's an honest mistake and that's not one made out of apathy it's okay. mm. wow that's a perfect way to put it and actually i think this is a really excellent segue much better than i would have created to talk about politics because i think um it's something that let's just say liberals as a catch-all term are aware of that we eat our own worse than even conservatives criticize liberals but but despite knowing that we still fight a person on the minutiae of getting one element wrong of of a statement or not delivering it properly or you know um, one of our guests was talking about how uh, women of color were angry that uh, if white women were going to dress up as the handsmaid's tale because it's it's not perfect and it's not a great statement and it disenfranchises women of color which is accurate but at the same time like let's fight the people that are trying to take away abortion rights first and then fight each other um but so this is these are things we know but what what is it in us that that makes it hard to stop us from yelling at each other what what is that indignation that we experience do you, do you have any thought on that Sure. Um, well, first, I will say that there are there's there are probably many studies on this kind of a thing, and I am not an expert. So, if you're listening to this, don't tell people that you heard this on a stream as if it's you know absolutely. Bri, I'm an idiot, like and I and I don't even I don't even preface. At, but yes, of course, this I mean this whole podcast is entertainment purposes, and that's why I do like. Um, I think it's exactly what I was saying at this point at this moment in time. These are these are how. These are things that how you and I understand them to the best of our ability currently, right? Absolutely. Um, but to, to answer your question, it's it's a the problem is that for most people on the liberal side is that we don't have a persona or a person that unites people together, which is good because it means that it allows people to kind of think freely for themselves and kind of decide, you know, your beliefs and it, it encourages discussions and things like that. The problem is that is very bad for unifying people together to do a thing. Right? There is a reason that a group that has a clear charismatic leader will always be more efficient than one where you just have a bunch of smart people who all have their own opinions. 
because it's going to be pulled in each different direction, uh, which happens with a lot of like protests and things like the the people who want to dress up like sure. the handsman's tales that you're, you know, one group of people will feel like this, another group will feel like that. And then instead of everyone just kind of unifying to fight one thing, you have a hundred people trying to fight a hundred different things at the same time, which is good in terms of just having open political discourse. It's bad when you need to do something about it then it's it's hard to get those people to do something that's why when you have people who are like you know dr martin luther king jr and other people though who are just kind of charismatic leaders who can kind of cause change or kind of force enforce and motivate people to act you get that's when you get those kind of things but if you don't have that then you kind of just get a bunch of people pulling in every direction which isn't useful which tends to be the opposite of what happens with people on the right at least at the moment or they have kind of a single leader who will just kind of get people to do stuff. It doesn't even have to really make sense, but they will do it because they like that person. And is it maybe heartening to say that the right is galvanized this way because they are seeing a, an actual credible threat to their way of life or like it, the, what like their beliefs are kind of? splitting at the seams and so it's making them fight even harder for their outdated thought processes absolutely um in terms of the kind of social issues as time goes forward we are moving forward you know people are becoming more open as we as we kind of as the world connects itself out of the conservative moral beliefs are changing which is its own complicated thing which we can get into at a different time but ultimately the, the conservative kind of view of the world is a much smaller us or a much smaller group kind of the usually just the family and then the immediate people whereas liberals tend to believe in a that a, a group of us that is much larger which is you know kind of where you got like you know those people are the other and and we are our people kind of mm -hmm. that that kind of tribal mentality i guess but as things goes forward that's going to change but and as we kind of talk to people it's a lot harder to otherize someone when you can pick up your phone and just call someone in london tomorrow right it's it's so it's social media and things like that for all the bad it does it does kind of help with that empathy that kind of understanding each other but because of that you know the conservative kind of viewpoint where it's that where it kind of relies on smaller groups it kind of gets removed because it's a lot easier to, it's a lot harder to say, you know, don't care about, you know, a trans person when it's turns out your uncle is trans, right? Or your, right. your great niece or whatever. It's much harder when, you know, that happens or when you've married, when your nephew married a person from Saudi Arabia or whatever, whatever have you, it's much harder to do it. And for, unfortunately for, you know, some people who tend to be more conservative, it's, Things don't matter until it's happening to them as a yes. as a group, and but as that happens, you see that's why we've seen kind of the law being used a lot more. So we're going with the courts and things like that because, for the most part, conservative positions aren't very popular. I th I think one of the things that stands out to what you're talking about, which there's so much to unpack, is it's not surprising that conservatives are overwhelmingly white because the culture is 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 catered so much to white people that they don't have to to look at how other people's ways of life 
are until they are like directly forced with it. So I think I wonder if that's like a correlation. I mean, I'm not I'm actually pretty confident that that's a, a whole reason why. Oh, I didn't realize that the people were uncomfortable because I wasn't uncomfortable. I'm sure there's a whole element with regards to that. But that actually leads me to a completely different question that I doubt anyone has a full answer. But what what happens where people of color go, I like Trump. How does that happen? <laughs> it depends. Different people have different reasons behind it. But for some people, it's just kind of growing up, right? It's one thing to view another group as being bad or anything, but it's another when it's like, well, I was raised by so-and-so who was super conservative. So when they say these things, you kind of automatically view it as, well, I mean, obviously they're talking about they're not talking about us, right? They're talking about the other, the bad people. Mm -hmm. But you also will see when it's like a, a story I was reading on uh, Twitter a little while ago where there was like a person who was a, a black person who was adopted by Amish people who were as a part of the family and was loved and appreciated up until the Amish people, that Amish, their daughter was getting married where the black person just was not invited to the wedding and couldn't be there. And they still viewed it as like, I mean, it was just, it was a mistake. And, you know, there's going to be something we're going to laugh about in the future. It's hard for people to separate the nice people that you experience, you know, on day to day, whether it's your parents, your sisters, whatever, you know, because you've seen them on the good days and they've been there for you on the good days or the bad days. It's hard for you to then group them in with the bad people who are doing bad things. And it's much easier for us as human beings to just say, it's not that we are bad. It just, what they did is just a concerning mistake that we'll get over later. The problem is our mutual, you know, enemy, which in our case is like a political group. So for them, they would still look at us liberals or the issue of only the liberals right around. Then the rational people who took care of me when I was younger, they, they will come out and then we'll, we'll fix the world and we'll all be good. But it's really, it's, it's their fault. And that's where you get kind of people who are more conservative, who are uh, doing that. And then some people just become conservative because it makes them money. Yeah, that, that's the other right. Part. Right. I mean, that's the majority of our experience with corporations right now. I think uh, if if we even decide to scratch the surface with the very slightest of a nail, we would find how many places that we give our money to actually want a very conservative platform, which is scary and almost impossible to compete with, honestly. Mm. I think but... I think that's the 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 same I've struggled with this before, and I've had very kind and patient people uh, discuss this with me before. Um, but I, but I sometimes lose, I lose the basis for ag agreeing, or I still want to have the question in the back of my head. But what what makes liberals right and conservatives wrong? Because in this, in, to, the reason I'm I'm kind I kind of jumped to that thought is. We think we're not like so as someone that is conservative or raised with people like our families are good people. They might have like one or, or one or two weird um, things that we don't agree with even. But like at the same time, they're, the, they're good people. But that's the majority of the conservatives are mostly good people that just have outdated thoughts and, and have a reason for how to for how they got to that place, whether it was upbringing or societal or indoctrination. Like most people, if you were to talk to them and sit in front of them, 
to your exact point earlier, like we could have empathy with them, go, ah, I can see why you think this or why we disagree because you believe this strongly. They they think we're totally wrong. And is that are are we? What's how do how are we to know that we're in the right? That that is a very complicated question. When we you start to talk about what who is right about different things, it becomes makes everything more more complicated. But um, as as one of my courses, we kind of got to what makes a conservative and liberal different, and at its core, there is a fundamental disagreement on what counts as you know your people. So take like you know for example social services. Most conservatives aren't against all social services, no matter what, right? You know, right. You, your conservative uncle or grandparent or whoever is probably in favor of like Medicare when it comes to, you know, them and the people they know. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because for the most part, they view it as like, well, you know, I know I'm a hardworking person, so I'm not bad person. I'm not wasting resources. I just had a little bit of trouble and I will you can I can use this to take care of themselves. But what happened and a lot of the times, honestly, politics can be described as kind of rich versus poor which is just one vector, but it's it's one that don't doesn't get talked about too much. But what happened is that and to to change that, you kind of had situations kind of like the the welfare queen stereotype, right. which was like the issue isn't you know us hardworking people. It's that there are some people. There's this mythical person who was sitting at home, <laughs> not working, collecting bajillions of dollars and eating you know lobster, which everyone knows is it a real thing. Right, that, that that never existed. There are not there are not people getting existing like that. And if, well, that's I mean that's just is it's a rare thing. But but that's just it. It's like people we know that doesn't exist. But but conservatives do think that that exists. And again, not lopping them all into one group. But the I know there are members of my family that believe there are people that take just have babies to in order to to collect checks. And a big part of that is a kind of an exp- uh, a, a belief error, right? So for a lot of people that you, in life, you are forced to come to one of two conclusions. Either A, good things will happen to people no matter what, or, or good things and bad things happen to people no matter what, and it's just kind of chaotic and just bad things can happen. Or that the reason that the bad things are happening is because there's something wrong with that person. And generally, that kind of breaks down for conservatives and liberals. Where conservatives will believe, if I just work hard enough, I can get out of whatever situation I'm in. Right? Where it's just, well, I'm poor now, but that's not because I'm poor. It's just because I haven't gotten rich yet. Right? That's kind of a general, super general explanation. But for liberals, you kind of view it as more like a chaotic thing of we should be helping each other because tomorrow anybody could just get hit by a bus and just be poor and whatever. Right. And because of those two beliefs for conservatives, the, the viewpoint that tends to happen is these people, the others, not me, because obviously I work hard and I'm just in trouble now. The others who are suffering, they are suffering because they either were too lazy to work for it or too not willing to do what they're supposed to do or something else, some other moral judgment, some other reason that they're bad. And that's because we as a society have connected wealth and prestige and morality together. So we look at people who are wealthy and powerful as being good people. That's why they are. You know, that's why a lot of people, especially when you add religion into this moral thing too, which makes it even more complicated, but people will view it as, well, you know, this person is doing well because God or whatever, and they're good people. But if good people who are, are the people who are doing well 
but I'm not doing well, you have to accept either A, you're not a good person, which very few people will say, right. or B, it's I'm a good person, I'm just not doing well yet, which is where you get people who are like, there's going to be a new tax on billionaires, and like, but I don't want there to be a tax on billionaires. I think that's a bad idea. And then you're looking at people like, you will never see this issue because you will never be a billionaire. But to them, they won't view it like that. They will view it as, I'm not a billionaire yet. I haven't succeeded yet. Whereas when they look at, you know, liberals and other people, they will say it as, you guys are poor because you aren't willing to work. You're lazy. You know, it's all, it's all of those issues. And the bad part of that comes in is when, you know, people in power are able to take that and politicians are able to take that belief and then use it to to not be able to do anything. Right? They can pass laws that are designed to disenfranchise some people because well, now your populace already believes that those people aren't doing bad, not because the system is screwing them or not because the system is beating up on anybody. It's just because they aren't working hard. And if we all just work harder, we'll all become rich one day. And then governing becomes much easier. So... How do you intend to change it re single handedly with city planning? <laughs> well, I'm afraid I well if I could figure out how to do that, then I probably have unlocked some secret of the universe or something. Right. Um, but on the bright side, it's not something that needs an individual to change. It is something that can only be changed um over time, really. You can the the belief is done by changing empathy. Right? As more and more people are forced to kind of look around and realize that you know, people aren't lazy, right? It's easy. It's easier just when you don't know them. But if you're like, well, I just talked to the little old lady down the street and they told me that they were doing really well until, you know, their husband lost their job because the General Motors plant moved to China. And they're like, wait a minute, that's what happened to me. And then everyone just looks around and realized we're poor now, not because we're lazy, but because the rich people have taken all the money and moved it over to some other place. It's through that kind of talking, that empathy, that understanding of each other that the world changes. Now, we have no idea if that's going to happen fast enough right. or we're going to kill each other first. Right. Which is a part of what makes politics interesting. <laughs> is the is the high stakes of it all. Yes. In a, in a, in a morbid way, um, from an outside perspective, it's politics is the understanding of how humanity will cooperate with each other. And if we do somehow turn it to one day, we discover there are other civilizations out there. We would all have to come to, we'd all have to have a very deep come to Jesus moment to realize that we may have wasted thousands of years warring with each other when we could have been in space doing Oh my other God. Stuff. Tell me about so, it. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, either, hopefully we don't find that out or we're ready because either we won't make it past that day or we'll have a lot of issues on that day. You know, I give, um, I just came back from Star Trek Las Vegas and I give Star Trek um, a lot of credit for talking about um, pretty, pretty clearly how uh, today ends up giving us the Star Trek of the future, how this could actually be the past of Star Trek, how, like, you know, this, the 60s onward. Um, and I think the Orville does an even better job. Well, at least a little bit more modern uh, retelling of it is like they even in the Orville, they talk about the water wars and World War Three and things like that, like citing, uh, I think in Strange New Worlds, they, they said that um, January 6th was the beginning of 
World War Three, which is also a very political stance to take for a TV show. Um, but but there's like some hope in that because a lot of people, everyone you talk to at a Star Trek convention, they just want this world to be like that, uh, where justice actually is justice, and people are actually, you know, there was a there's a gentleman on stage at the Roddenberry stage um, who committed a murder 20 for and went to jail for 26 years when he was a teenager and came out and now is a speaker and wants you know the justice system to be which you know is not um, a radical thought especially if you've read you know the new Jim Crow but he he watched Star Trek and he claims that that saved his perspective on life and it saved him and it made him a better man so like we all want this past but something like star trek can go hey yeah it's rough this is but but i do like looking at it as though this is our adolescence and i feel i feel like we are the generation right before things are gonna get really interesting or like we're right before the we're you know how like people thought jetpacks were gonna happen in the year 2000 and i know you like basically were just born then um (laughs) There definitely wasn't rocket packs, but like we don't have we're I don't think we're under that same misconception. I don't think even though Elon Musk and all these idiots are trying to get us to Mars, they they may be laying the groundwork for it, but we're not gonna go there. Like the generation ahead of us will. Maybe the generation after that. Like I think we're a little bit more realistic about ah, our trajectory is not as as good as we wanted it to be. But we might we might, if we do it right, then if we want to do this, like, you know, plant a tree for the next generation, we might be able to give them a leg up. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I believe that we are either, we are either A, going to completely destroy ourselves very soon, or B, we are going to get past the point where any of this matters. And like whether you look at you know social issues like you know even you know gender issues where right? I think and I honestly think in the future if we survive we'll get to the point where gender doesn't exist because right. people can just change whatever they want to be whenever they want to, so it'll just be kind of we'll be transhumanist in that sense, right? But we have to actually make it there, and a lot of people don't realize how close we are to killing ourselves like every week. But just, I don't think we can well, think about that, though. And that, I was going to say, like, how are you such an optimist? I'm an optimist, and I'm not even as educated as you are. So how does someone like yourself, who's as educated and knowledgeable as you are, remain an optimist? Because I feel like you're a realistic. You're you're an optimist and a realist. Would that would that be fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, that's a, that's a fair thing. Honestly, once you once you start to get into a lot of international relations, you realize how all of this is just a big house of cards that we're just praying makes it another few years and it becomes someone else's problem. <laughs> but but ultimately, that is in a way what it means to be human, right? We as as living beings, we are not very good at planning long term anything like we're like uh five years max before we stop we stop thinking about it which means that it, i don't know it's kind of our story so it's like i just gotta see what happens really so the curiosity it. of it kind of keeps you hopeful if, if i'm if i'm absolutely. understanding huh absolutely i want to see what happens next i couldn't agree more i had never thought of it in the context of just hoping we can make it to tomorrow. I've always just wanted to know what the whole universe is all about. I would love to zoom out and be like, what is this power that connects us all? Is it a God? Is it like 
you know, kids playing marbles like they taught us in MIB or something like that. Like, I just, I do want to know. But I didn't realize that I might not even know tomorrow. It's that tenuous. Yeah, it can very easily all end uh, really tomorrow. And it, it could be, did, and I guess in a way it is freeing. And I guess to an extent, this is like chaos theory, but it is a freedom when you realize that ultimately what you do probably doesn't matter but in that there is kind of an acceptance it's it's a very complicated thing that i do not fully understand myself to be honest but for me i am very much an an agnostic atheist so i don't believe there is a supreme being but i believe that ultimately all of creation around us is a response to various decisions that we're all making and ultimately we have no real control over them you know no no more than you have a control over who you'll see when you go out of your apartment or your home on a daily basis but those decisions even the small ones could result in like the end of everything it is sure. kind of freeing because you're like i don't know what's gonna happen fuck it i can't control this <laughs> but it's it's also like i don't know it's it's kind of a beautiful chaos when you really kind of think about it that like the fact that you decide to to wave to someone one day could be the reason that you know cancer is cured or something like that right like when you actually look at a lot of human events a lot of them happened all of these big important things where you think that like all these these war heroes or whatever all changed the world and it's like no it was really because someone was stupid and just happened to work and we're just like all right moving on and right we lived this time it was like constantly rolling the dice and we just happened to live and it's like that is fascinating to me God, that's a that's actually a lovely. It, it takes away some of the stress too of, of everything. Like that doesn't mean you don't have day to day things to be concerned about or day, different ways to like make your life good. But if you if you kind of look at things through that lens, it takes the pressure off a little bit. It it's it's freeing, and it also reminds you to be. You know, be your best with every decision. You don't know which decision is going to be the last one you make. And you don't know which decision is going to be the one that helps people, right? You may be, you may find someone who's working on like they're doodling in their books. And because you are constantly giving them words of encouragement, they may turn out to make the next Marvel or, or whatever, right? Like you don't know. So it should just be good the best you can to everyone. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what more I could possibly mine you for that's a beautiful sentiment that I, I i normally ask everyone at the end of the podcast what is one thing you want to leave people with and i think that's it right there you go yeah absolutely you know be good to everyone i love that and, and I, I do love that and and even the people that it's hard to be good to that doesn't mean you need to put yourself in the war path and be treated like crap but you can be good to yourself and those people in different ways Absolutely. Re, is there anything you want to tell these people where they can find you? How, what's the name of your channel? You said that, but uh, let's just reiterate it. Sure. You can find me on Twitter. Reiterate at... it. Reiterate it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, I did not endorse that joke, people. Um, that was not me. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at, at BigDudeRe, all one word. And over on Twitch at Rerolls, where we play various uh, TTRPGs and 
become friends with each other. And uh, yeah, that that's it for me. You're the easiest person to be friends with, and I'm glad that we are. I appreciate that. I'm glad that you brought me here today. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because I got you to talk. Base you you filled your talking quota today, basically. <laughs> sure. Yes. If only it is that easy every time. It's yeah. not. It's not. But but I another time we'll have you back on and we'll we'll unpack your Gen Zism. We'll see. Uh, I will gladly come back next time whenever you want me to. Okay. Well, thanks, Ree. Bye. That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verney merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already, consider becoming a Patreon member. You can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner. Go to patreon.com slash you don't know Nick. And if you haven't already, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols.